Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And the Aggies trying to get back on track. They've already done it a little bit with a win over Miami and obviously beating a top 10 Arkansas team would be a huge feather in their cap after the step back a couple of weeks ago. Andrew Monaco, zone favorite, back in with us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Andrew, welcome. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to talk with you guys. All right. Well, we're excited about the matchup as we usually are, and I think Arkansas is in a. It's been a while since we felt like they had a chance to win every game that they've been in. Expectations were extremely high for A and M coming in, and I think everybody knows what happened the last couple of weeks. How much did you feel like they reset in the win over Miami? I love the. I thought. I thought they showed some grit. I thought I, they showed some growth last week against Miami. To tell you the truth, and. It really was a week of of combination of preparation, but I, I thought it started on the Sunday when uh, Jimbo called in his leadership council uh, after the loss to App State and, and started with that. And, and I think it was, you know what, there, we need to fill a void of leadership. And it's not in a way of we don't have any leaders. You know what, now's the time for uh, some of these select upperclassmen. Now, now's the opportunity to let your voice be heard and talk about, as, as Jimbo and the, and the staff talk about, the standard. And they didn't play to that standard uh, against, against App State. And, and then it was tested again at the end of the week, not against Miami, but that leadership council again. When, when you have four freshmen, you know, miss curfew, and you've got to make a decision there. And the decision was they were not going to play in that game. Not the first half. It was going to be the entire game. But what I think changed was the preparation in the week. It was their best week of practice, which – it had been off and on leading up to that point, and that and it's that power of preparation, right? I, and I'm not delving into coach speak. It's it's the same thing that I asked Quinn Grovey because he played the game. It's the same thing I asked my partner Dave Elmendorf, who played here and with the Rams. That power of preparation, and when you're a young player, doing it, doing that rep eight out of ten times in your mind, you're thinking I've got it, but it's got to be ten out of ten because you can't. You can't go into Jimbo's office, him draw up a play and say, hey, this was the 11th guy on the field who didn't make a block, and this why this play didn't work. And then you call up another play and you say, oh, okay, this guy missed. As he says, everybody took a turn. Not blaming them. You need to have 11 on the page. And he says, look, you've got to do every uh, every rep correctly because that's what's going to happen on Saturday. When it comes time for Saturday, are you going to do it correctly? They didn't against App State. They did it much better against Miami. I want to talk about the defense. Everybody's going to focus on the offense, and we'll get to that. But it is – I mean, it's not like they've bent a lot. I mean, they haven't given up a ton of yards, a little over 300 a game. But the scoring defense is among the nation's best. What's been the key for them once they've gotten in the red zone defensively? Because, I mean, when you're holding teams at this point in the season, you played some decent competition to under 10 a game. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah, and, and – it surprised me a little bit last week that Miami didn't take a lot of shots into the end zone with Tyler Van Dyke and their receivers. They ran a lot when they got in, in that red zone. So something changed. We were talking with, with Albert Regis and, and he said, look, the, the concentration and the focus just gets, you know, it gets so much more that, uh, you know, you almost feel like your back's against the wall with that, with that goal line behind you. And uh, that's, that's, that's part of it. You said it in a nutshell, though. There's like that good news, bad news type thing. The bad news is they gave up long drives and they couldn't get off the field against App State. 
And the good news was, well, you know what? Miami had to start three times inside their own 10-yard line. So there, there were those long drives, but it takes that time off the clock and that, and that time of possession. And they, if they didn't have the depth that they have, uh, I think it would be a different story. But they're able to stay a little bit fresher by rotating the players. But no, I, I remember this from a practice a while back, guys, that they were, they were, the defense was running the, their red zone defense and Mike Elko, then D.C., now it's D.J. Durkin. But I remember Jimbo, one of the few times that he will say anything on that defensive side, he said, that's your red zone too. That's your end zone also. Don't let them in there. It's funny, Jimbo's coaching the offense against Mike Elko's defense, but that was his word to the defense. Hey, that's your end zone also. They're not going to get in there. And I think it's that type of, of mentality. And I think it's also, hey, yeah, this is a long drive, but you know what? Let's have this end in blocked field goal, uh, missed field goal, or at the very least a field goal. Now, can they get off the field sooner so those drives? So then if you can get off, the, as you guys know, if you can get off the field on third down, and if you can stay on the field on third down, you know that has a, a, a big effect on time of possession. You can have your own longer drives and that your defense does not have to be on the field as often. What's Durkin brought to this defense? I think it's an extension of what Mike Elko did, but I can see it's a little more aggressive to get the gang tackling. Uh, you're going to see some more three-down linemen in those obvious passing situations and then have you know that dime package there. But um, a, a ton of energy, and you can see it's kind of infectious for this defense. But they are tackling. I, look, I, I, this is how I felt. And, and I need to ask DJ this, but when, when Mike Elko gets the job at Duke and we were all thrilled for him because he gets to be a head coach, and I love what he instilled once he got here with Jimbo. But you're looking at what this talent has, what the talent that was coming in, I think it's an attractive defensive coordinator job. I, I think you get to work with a lot of talent. And I just think it's his energy and it is that, you know, he says this on that, on that practice field. Hey, every time we get a turnover, we celebrate. I don't care if it's in – it doesn't have to be in the game. If we get a turnover on this practice field, we celebrate. That's a big – that's a big thing. The gang tackling, the open field tackling, the situational – one of the big plays I thought on Saturday against Miami, out of timeouts, Jalen Jones keeps a receiver inbounds, and Miami now has to rush that final play because uh, the receiver did not get out of bounds. And that, was, that, was their, that was their fourth down play. I think they're very good situationally as well, but I think it's a little more uh, of an of an attacking style, and I really like the way they've tackled and uh, they they get they get all over the field. That's that's for sure. And I know Jimbo was very excited about having some of his uh, guys in the secondary come back, led by safety Damani Richardson. That's a that's a lot of experience that you get to have back there at safety. Talking to Andrew Monaco, the voice of the Texas A&M Aggies on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. The passing game and the issues there have been well chronicled and obviously quarterback change. I know they're hoping we'll fix things. I was a little surprised, though, Andrew, when I saw the rushing numbers. What's going on with the rush game and the ineffectiveness there? I was just very surprised by the limited uh, numbers there as far as of success on the, on the ground. Yeah, I thought that that offensive line would actually end up being a strength. The first two weeks playing without center Bryce Foster, him being back in Miami against Miami, I think, really made a difference. I think it helps solidify uh, that right side. The left side, uh, through much of uh, training camp, uh, there were some injuries. So, uh, you, as you guys know, it seems it's the one position, right, that takes the longest to come together. Uh, 
but you have to do it. <laughs> you have to do it quickly when your teams like Arkansas, who opens with Cincinnati, right, and you have a team like uh, Texas A and M that before you even get to SEC play, where you have to have great offensive and, and defensive lines, it's got to come together a, a lot quicker. But I, I think Bryce Foster being out, I think hurts. Uh, it was a, it was a little bit of a hole there. They were they're fine on the right side with with uh, Deuce Fathery and and Laden Robinson at tackle and at and at guard and now Trey Zune in his first year. Just you know when you compare them to what Sam Pittman has on his offensive line, the experience difference is a complete difference. A lot of experience on that Razor back line, and this is an Aggie offensive line that while talented just doesn't have those game reps. And we'll see some of these guys. Can they do what Bryce Foster and, and Ruben Fathery did last year over the course of the year as, as true freshmen? Now you rely on them. You rely on Layden Robinson, who is a starter for the first time. Can you get up to speed quickly? But they're going to have to, especially Saturday against Arkansas. Did Max Johnson uh, bring a, uh, a big change to the offense? I don't know if it was so much a change. It, it's It's – you know what, I, Jim, Jimbo words, ready? He has saddle time, right? <laughs> it, it, it's his 20th game. It's 14. He's, he'll come in. That will be his 15th SEC start on Saturday. You know, I've, I've said this about Haynes, Haynes King and about Max Johnson. Haynes is a coach's son. Max is a quarterback's son. And, and I think the lessons of Brad Johnson pay off for Max Johnson. Like, there's not a lot of stuff that wow you with Max until you look at the complete picture and you see the leadership and you hear his teammates talk about him and how he runs a huddle and how he deals with wide receivers. And when you see he's got an extra beat in that pocket as he processes everything, and there's a lot to process in a, in a Jimbo offense. And, you know, he runs when he has to because he can run. You think, well, he's not a runner. And if you go back in Max Johnson's career at, at LSU and even before here, there's some key runs just when you think – uh, he's not going to run. You don't think he's mobile. He's got that. And Jimbo says that an awful lot about his quarterbacks. He, 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 you know that Haynes is the runner, right? He said, but he throws the ball better than you think. And Max isn't just that guy who sits back there. It's what he does best, but he can run. And I'm not going to lie. I remember seeing him last year at Baton Rouge, bigger kid than I thought, mm-hmm. bigger young man. He, you know, he's all of six, five his, his brother is a tight end and he's almost built like a, a tight end also. But, I, for, for for folks, a, a little comp, I think he's more Kellen Mondish. You know what I mean? And yeah. In a, in a game manager, which Jimbo does not take as an insult. He said, all your quarterbacks have to manage the game. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, there's just a different clock for him, the way he feels pressure. And even when he takes a sack, he's not going to lose that football. He'll, he'll, he'll take his loss because nothing else is open. He won't for, force it. He'll live to play another day. When he misses, he misses where he wants to miss, not where the other team does. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. So, to me, that tells me that that internal clock of his really runs at a good time. Andrew, I'll be honest with you. I I, I was a little surprised when the line came out and uh, A&M was favored. I feel like the wrong team is favored in this game. That And, and look, we're only talking about like maybe four points here. A&M's favored by two, two and a half, and I feel like Arkansas should be favored by two, two and a half. Are you surprised at all that A&M's the favored team with what you've seen this year from the Aggies? Yes. Yes, I think if you I think if you watch both teams and you and you see the three games for both. Yeah, I like I, Jimbo and I were doing his show yesterday and and <laughs> I said this team had 
deserves the number 10. They're one of the top 10 teams in the country. Now, you guys know early season. Look, were we the sixth best team in week number two? Absolutely not, right? App State, App State beats us. I get that. I think Arkansas absolutely deserves to be number 10. And, and I don't know. I, again, they, they go by <laughs> – sometimes they're a lot smarter yeah. than I am, but – Look, I, I, I was I was surprised because it is neutral. Again, we all know you get the field goal for being at home, right? I, it did surprise me a little bit. But I was surprised by the number last week against Miami, and they ended up being fairly fairly on the on the mark right there last week. But no, it it, it surprised me. I, I really think it should be the Razorbacks who should be the favorite. Andrew, thank you. It's good to have you on. Good to catch back up with you. Thank you so much for having me. Always good talking with you guys. Andrew, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Andrew is way, way above average when it comes to play-by-play guys and being a guest. He's awesome.